Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Every month, the Global Network in Solidarity with Ukraine meets to exchange information about the activities of left-wing solidarity groups and create a space to discuss what progressive solidarity with Ukraine looks like in different regions of the world. In May, they hosted a discussion focusing on the Asia-Pacific region. And on today's Accent of Women, I'll bring you two of the presentations at this meeting. Later in the program, we'll hear from Nom Kim from the People's Solidarity for Social Progress in South Korea. But first up, Aurora from New Bloom and Taiwan Stands with Ukraine. I'm with New Bloom, which is um, a leftist kind of collective based in Taiwan. And we focus a lot on youth activism and solidarity movements here. And I'm also uh, heavily involved in Taiwan Stands with Ukraine, which is also kind of just a grassroots community initiative um, like of Ukrainians, like diaspora Ukrainians in Taiwan and also Taiwanese people. and um, a lot of foreigners as well who came together last year um, at the beginning of the full-scale invasion to kind of just um, provide support to each other and also to um, organize around supporting Ukraine. So a lot of what we do right now is mainly um, trying to keep Ukraine still in the news and doing a lot of fundraising events. I guess I'll just talk a little bit about well, first of all, what Taiwan's response has been to the full-scale invasion and the war, and also um, bring in a bit about how Taiwan's own relationship with China uh, has kind of factored into our response, and also a little bit on um, civilian support here for Ukraine, and also, I guess, how the leftist community here has responded. But yeah, so... Um, like I mentioned, Taiwan stands with Ukraine is kind of has kind of been the thrust of like a lot of Ukrainian organizing and activism in Taiwan, and um, it's not. I I wouldn't say it's a a like particularly left leaning um, group of people because it's really just like a lot of Ukrainians in Taiwan who came together and Taiwanese people who are interested in a cause who came together to. Um, just support Ukrainians. Um, and in terms of what, uh, I guess, coverage on the war has been like in local media, it's generally, I think, on the whole, Taiwan has been overwhelmingly supportive of Ukraine. And it's since the very beginning, um, the, the common parallel that people really like to bring into media coverage and analysis is, oh, so Russia's invaded Ukraine. Does that mean that Taiwan will be next, that China will invade Taiwan? And from the beginning as well, I've always been uh, wary of these very... Um, the, these very hasty conclusions being drawn because I think that although there are very, you know, surface level parallels in terms of, you know, there being a bigger imperialist power that historically has always kind of been subjugating or like been trying to uh, subjugate a smaller nation. It's really the history is different and the geopolitics, the geography itself is also different. 
So I just like wanted to um, bring bring that out here first. Um, I think our government has also been overwhelmingly supportive of Ukraine, um, Taiwan and Ukraine before uh, 2022. So before last year, virtually, I believe we did not have relations um, or like our current government did not have relations with Ukraine. And um, since the beginning of the full scale invasion and um, since like a lot of like on the ground activism has kind of caught the attention of international media and also media in Ukraine, I believe. Um, there's been more awareness on both sides, both within Ukraine and in Taiwan about like, well, the, the other side. And um, since then, like to, in the past year, um, our like Taiwan-Ukraine relations have kind of just been really taking shape. So um, Ukraine has a parliamentary group on Taiwan and Taiwan has like also a parliamentary group, a par parliamentary alliance on Ukraine. And there's been exchange on both sides um, on a semi like government, I guess, like between officials at least. And um, Taiwan has sent a lot of aid to Ukraine and Taiwan stands with Ukraine itself has also, we've fundraised a lot in the past year and there have also been other local initiatives. So I think in total we've, Taiwan Stands with Ukraine has raised, I think, at least like 1.5 million in donations to Ukraine. And we um, do try to work more with like on the ground agencies because um, of our Ukrainian activists here who have connections there. Um, I think that uh, in terms of leftist coverage, like leftism in Taiwan is a whole Talking about leftism in Taiwan is a whole beast in itself because um, we have our history with China and also in that um, the traditional like left-right paradigm that is often used in Western politics doesn't really map neatly onto Taiwanese politics. Um, in Taiwan, uh, our domestic politics kind of kind of um, organize ourselves into more like Pan, pan green and pan blue lines. So pan blue meaning more pro Kuomintang, pro KMT, which is the nationalist uh, government that came over to Taiwan in 1949 and that um, established the Republic of China on Taiwan and uh, also <laughs> of, of led Taiwan through uh, like a, a few decades of martial law and you know very very harsh authoritarian rule, and then the Pan Green camp would be our uh, so uh, pro DPP uh, camp pro DPP pro DPP political camp and the Pan Green camp is generally associated more with like socially progressive liberal values and also more importantly with being pro Taiwan independence. So uh, I'm not sure how much history uh, I should go into about Taiwan and China because it is also very complex and um, it's it's a lot to cover, but I guess I should say that I think one huge point of departure between the Russia, Ukraine and China, Taiwan parallel is that the, I, I think that the Taiwanese identity now, especially 
um, when you look at it through a leftist lens is a bit more compl complicated just because um, our current government, the Republic of China, is viewed by many as also um, a settler colonial state on Taiwan. And um, I, I, I myself am the descendants of settlers from China. And there's like a whole history there. So a lot of our leftist activism um, right now, or that I'm involved with right now, uh, deals a lot with, I guess, truth and reconciliation and how we also as descendants of settlers, like, uh, well, deal with our colonial history and reconcile that with like what it means to be Taiwanese and create an, an identity that is independent of the Republic of China and and also like what that means for our indigenous peoples. So uh, yeah, that, that's just like there's there's a lot of dynamics going on there that um, I think we have to deal with like on a daily basis and what i really wanted to talk about that's probably more relevant for the discussion today is the issue of campism i guess and even in taiwan leftist communities so um new bloom i think and you know we, we have very close relations for example with laosan and um i think our general stances are pretty similar in that we are extremely critical of the Chinese Communist Party of the PRC in its current state, and also extremely critical of any other forms of imperialism, including Western imperialism. But that is not the case with um, a subset of Taiwanese leftists, because um, just as you have leftists in the West who are extremely pro-PRC, pro-Russia, we have leftists in Taiwan who are very pro-China, pro-Russia, anti-US imperialism. And I think that's where the campism comes in, right? So I think roughly a month ago, actually, uh, there was like this pretty big news in Taiwan about a group of um, like pretty high profile, big name leftist academics who did a press conference. Um, they came together as like an anti-war uh, like working group to um, will relay the demands to public to the public and what a lot of their talking points were mapped very similarly onto Western leftist talking points about well first of all about Ukraine and Russia and second of all like about Taiwan and China and then the main thrust of their argument was that um, the, the the war in Ukraine Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine was at least partially due to um, American encouragement uh and and the same is same with uh taiwan's situation with china is that uh they believe that it is also because of u.s aggression and uh taiwan's um close relations with the u.s that is leading to chinese retaliation and so in order to prevent war the u.s should you know, back off it's, it's a very um, it, it sounds very familiar, but this this um, press conference led to huge, huge backlash, and most of well, and most of Taiwan, like politicians were criticizing it. Um, Taiwanese, like the human rights NGO groups, were criticizing it. Um, my my crowd, like new, the New Bloom group, uh, we were all like talking about this internally because. Um, it's just a uh, chock full of hypocrisy, right? Um, implying that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is 
pretty much like Ukraine's fault for being um for like moving away from Russia for being um you know treading too close to NATO um and I think in in dealing with these attitudes and I do think that this is I mean I, I think it's quite fringe in our leftist communities just because well the leftist community is just not like really big either um especially what you would consider I guess like people who would self-identify as leftist it's not a huge community in Taiwanese civil society I'd say um but I think I will end on um some points that uh um I think are a good starting point for us Taiwanese leftists in well first of all in uh analyzing and talking about ukraine and also in talking about our own future and our relationship with china which is that taiwan cannot be quote unquote reunified with china we do not accept the we do not accept any prospect of invasion of colonization by china and that um this is one thing but we must by all means avoid open war we must avoid war as well um right now a lot of the posturing and aggression comes from china it's it's very common you know like um our president had a meeting with mccarthy in the states just like a week two weeks ago and then china launched uh three-day military drills around us and um a lot of coverage on um china's military drills on taiwan especially has been very you know fear-mongering a lot of oh like is the invasion gonna happen soon and i personally have to say that i don't think it's happening anytime soon uh i think that my my parents they grew up with the threat of invasion china has been doing this since you know the many taiwan straits crises and um fear-mongering about the situation is not really going to help taiwan and finally i think that i i guess just from on a personal level i i can understand there, there's it being being a leftist and being pro taiwanese independent it's it's a pretty um it's 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 a, it's a niche especially like in you know spaces online spaces like twitter where like everything's like an echo chamber and things are just going downhill um it's not easy to reconcile the fact that we are adamantly against u.s imperialism but our government is is you know cozying up to the u.s for uh reasons that kind of are beyond our control because you know it's still big power struggles and we do have always we always have the looming threat of Chinese invasion um kind of over us and I don't I I haven't come to a conclusion really on um how exactly to balance like these <laughs> like almost seemingly contradictory um identities but we're just trying our best and um, we, I, I personally, like, I unequivocally support Ukraine. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. Today's program is focusing on solidarity with Ukraine and specifically from the Asia-Pacific region. 
You just heard from Aurora from New Bloom and Taiwan Stands with Ukraine. Coming up next is Junom Kim from the People's Solidarity for Social Progress in South Korea. Hello from Seoul, I'm Junyoung Kim and I've been working for my group's PSSP for the past seven years. South Korean public opinion on the war in Ukraine? Of course, many citizens blame Russia and support Ukraine like in the most countries. Still, they are reluctant to Korea's in- intervention as a neighbor of Korea as Russia and China. It's like we're too much just to serve our own problems like North Korea. And it is difficult to find help from Korean politics, at least so far. I can see there is a perception in media and academia that this war will mean the collapse of the liberal international order and affect Korea, but there is no agreement on what will what we'll do about it. The hottest issue is happening right now. Yesterday, in an interview with Reuters, President Yoon said for the first time, South Korea could provide non-humanitarian aid to Ukraine if it comes under a large-scale civilian attack. The Kremlin immediately warned the Korean government and Democratic Party, the most important opposition, immediately criticized the president's remark and demanded him to take it back. Today, the Korean government reacted to Russia's warning that the president's words were a common sense and principled response, and what we do in the future will depend on Russia. There is a speculation that his remarks are in preparation for the Korea-US summit next week, so it will be clearer then. So my saddest question to myself is, why is the majority of South Korean left taking a campist view? Our hypothesis is it's because of the existence of Korean Stalinism. The so-called national liberation current has been the majority of South Korean left since the 80s. They believe that unlike South Korea, North Korea is a socialist country and liberated from the U.S. dominance. So they sympathize with the North Korea's foreign policy, not only on Ukraine, but also on Afghanistan, Myanmar, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. For example, they believe, they believe that the Taliban government is a very good example of national liberation. But however, Non-nationalist leftists and Democrats have similar positions with national liberalist group on the war in Ukraine. It's like, after all, America is the ultimate cause of the all better things. This occurs all over the world, but we think there is a reason why it is so serious here. South Korea's leftist movement actually began in the mid-80s. This means we did not have time to watch and reflect on what was really happening in the Soviet Union and other socialist countries. It has led to the belief that 
Russia and China could not be worse than the U.S. anyway. Basically, North Korean socialism can be said to be an extreme form of socialism, so many Korean leftists have the same roots here. How this affects popular movements in Korea? There's a very significant example of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions. It's the most important trade union center with more than a million members. Last year, a pamphlet was published under the name of the KTCU Reunification Committee, which is run by nationalists. You can see its shocking contents here on the screen. They have educated it to its members. Of course, most KTCU members don't think in this way. This is even against the KTCU's official position that we support Ukrainian workers. However, this attitude of the KTCU leaders led to the KTCU, a mass organization, doing almost nothing about the war. For example, they raised money for earthquake victims in Turkey, but not for the war victims in Ukraine. And we realized that almost no leftist organization even wanted to join in the coalition calling for the peace in Ukraine. And found, found out that so-called pacifist groups, the, the effect to demand is Ukraine's surrender. Under these circumstances, organized support for Ukraine in South Korean society could not be formed. So we tried to approach new partners of solidarity, like diaspora communities in Korea. I feel really sorry that we have not been able to connect with the Ukrainian community in Korea. They were so disappointed by the by Korean activists because of the other religions. That's something I can understand. But there are other reasons. At least some of the community leaders think any leftist would have been connected to Russia, so they don't want them. That's what they told us. There were few Ukrainian citizens with us, but we failed to build connections with the community itself. In fact, I feel they are somewhat isolated in Korean society now, the Ukrainian community in Korea. Unfortunately, Belarusian and Russian communities were more open. They have been able to engage in several uh, we have been able to engage in several joint actions with them, especially with Russian activists in Korea. And with the start of the Iranian revolution and China's white paper protest, Iranian and Chinese in Korea began to form a community and express their support for Ukraine. So we've been in solidarity with the Ukrainian left 
and various diaspora communities in Korea. We introduced the Ukrainian leftist view to the Korean society by translating their articles and holding a lecture of them. And we laid the fund for the challenge look. Last thing is about why is this war and why is Ukrainian's future so important to us? It's because it will affect the future of the Korean Peninsula and East Asia. This picture is of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un with his 10-year-old daughter in front of the new ICBM. He's planning to inherit it to her. We don't want it to happen in the real world. North Korea is now basically taking advantage of the situation caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. They support Russia and in return, Russia and China support them, blocking any agreement on North Korean nuclear crisis in the UN Security Council. In the meantime, North Korea is building and testing, testing new missiles and threatening us with them. We all know that the current world order has its flaws, but its collapse and setting on Russia's and China's peers of influence in Asia will be fair to South Korea's peace and democracy. This is why we cannot help but support the Ukrainian and Chinese people. That was a public international meeting that was organised by the Global Network in Solidarity with Ukraine, with a focus on solidarity with the Asia-Pacific region. The two speakers were Aurora from New Bloom and Taiwan Stands with Ukraine, and Junom Kim from the People's Solidarity for Social Progress in South Korea. And that's all we've got time for on today's program. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kunjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.